1: Podcast For the biggest storylines, results, and controversies from the tennis world, today is Wednesday, January 6th, and here's what I mean by that. Now, we here at Crack Rackets realize we have not done the best job keeping all of you listeners up to date on the early goings-ons of the 2021 professional tennis season. There's a lot to monitor right now. Of course, we've got the three events going on, the WTA kicking off their action in Abu Dhabi. Four top ten players in the draw this week, as count- as well as countless other top 50 women, so of course we want to talk about that action. We've also got two ATP 250s, one in Delray, the other in Antalya, and of course all of us wanting to absorb whatever tennis we can, get any data in the queue for us so that we know what to expect come Australia in February, and of course it feels like the regulations, the guidelines for these players to get to Australia changing each and every day. It's a fluid situation, and of course we're going to address that early next week with guest I know all of you listeners will enjoy but we want to catch all of you up on all the action that has happened through these first two days by the time you're listening to this perhaps first three days of play and the way we're going to do that is by bringing back an old favorite here at Cracked Rackets now we used to do for you longtime listeners a segment called the changeover chat one of my favorite segments we have done here at Cracked Rackets and we're going to bring it back but a slightly abridged abbreviated differing version version, whatever adjective you want to use. Now, normally those chats, they're fun, they're goofy, and they're still going to be that, right? Because when you come to Cracked Rackets, I feel like that's our persona here. You probably think, yeah, I'm a little arrogant, a little cocky, a little bit corny, but hopefully you also think we're fun, we're goofy. That's the sort of attitude we'd like to have towards our beloved sport of tennis. Anyways, uh, you know, we want I want to talk about all of the matches we've seen unfold. So what we're going to be doing to catch all of you up over the course of today, we're to release a couple of mini breaks. On this podcast, I want to break down Wednesday's action. That is pretty much exclusively the matches in Abu Dhabi. I'll run through the results through Delray and Antalya Challenger, qual- or Challenger excuse me, qualifying for those two events to talk about the results we saw there. But I really want to lock in on a few of those matches in Abu Dhabi. And we're going to call it the changeover chat because, you know, for each changeover chat, we'll have a brief chat, I suppose, about each of these critics. Kohler, I suppose, important uh, highlighted matches and run through the rest of the day's scores. And again, I'm going to do this through the first through uh, couple of episodes just to catch all of you listeners up. We will be getting our rotating cast of characters, Jamie McDonald, Matt Stokowiak, Judson Wall, David Gertler, uh, all of our friends here at Cracked Rackets and of course, some non crack Rackets personnel, media members, players uh, onto the podcast throughout the course of this season to break down all of the action. But again, to catch all of you listeners up, I want to launch our changeover chat, which I will do throughout the course of the year whenever I go Han Solo on these podcasts to break down all of the play that we have seen unfold. Of course, the reason we are able to do that day in, day out here at Cracked Rackets, didn't think I was going to be able to sneak in a plug, did you? Jokes on all of you. Of course, I can sneak in a plug because who? Wouldn't want to plug our friends at Midwest Sports providing all of the best equipment, all of the best brands at all of the best prices on their website MidwestSports.com. You use our promo code CR15. Not only will you let them know we sent you there, but you'll get 15% off your order free. Two-day shipping on all orders exceeding $75 and best of all, a free can of Wilson Extra Duty Tennis Balls. Go to MidwestSports.com. Use that promo code CR15 and again, we are so grateful for their continued support. The least we can ask you to do. Go support them as well. MidwestSports.com. The promo code is CR15. Okay, again, what I want to do here on these chats, I want to run through my favorite matches of the day. We're starting with Wednesday, January 6th matches. This is going to focus on a conversation really primarily around the results in Abu Dhabi. And again, so many top 50 players in action in that kickoff WTA event. We've already had a few upsets on our hands and that's I want to start it was a battle of the case in one of my favorite first round matches a straight set match but a match I think could tell us a lot about what to expect here in this 2021 season and that was the battle between Veronica Kudermatova and Annette Conteve and people on this podcast know uh, Annette Conteve has been someone I've been fascinated with really since the start of the 2020 season that group of 24 25 year old players on um, the WTA tour of course it resonates with me because I am also 25 years old I was 24 years old last time when my fascination began I think they're all you know around that 15 to 25 in the ranking spot where are they going to break through become top 10 players ascend another level in the game compete for some of the biggest titles which you have to do in order to become a top 10 player or are they just going to be players who make quarterfinals who have deep runs don't get upset in the first round but you know don't have that consistency that upper ceiling of a top 10 pro Jury's still out on Annette Contevein. Here's why I'm concerned. Here's why that conversation comes up right away. In her matchup against Veronica Kudermatova, who has been outstanding down the home stretch. by the way, Kudermatova uh, at the end of last season, doing well in the indoor hard courts in Ostrova, uh, she had a really good run. I believe she made, if memory serves me correct, the quarterfinals there in Ostrova, losing to Jennifer Brady in three sets. She makes the quarterfinals in Linz as well, losing to Mertens in straights but good wins for her over Karolina Pliskova and Donna Vekic in the round of 16 and round of 32 and you know of course for the 23 year old who currently ranked number 46 a career high was came last season she's been inside the top 40 she's just got a gear uh, that not many players on tour can reach and there are a lot of big hitters in the WTA game but I mean, the way, if she gets a clean look at a forehand or a backhand, Veronica Kudermatova can hit you off the court, and she did a really good job in this match of doing exactly that. Now, her first serve, uh, her percentages on serve just in general weren't particularly impressive. She only made 53% of her first serve. She won 58% of those points. Now, she was 22 of 34 on second serve points, and we'll get back to that in a second. But most impressively for Kudermatova, you know, she held Kanteve to, under 50% on her own first serve And she held her to 56% on her own second serve points She won fifty-one uh, or 50% I believe Let me see, I'm doing some quick math here 28 of 58 So a little under 50%, like 48, 49% Of her total return points In the match and That'll get the job done. It's just, you know, for Annette Conteve, who only made 53% of her first serves in this match, if you floated a second serve and gave Kudermatova a clean look at the ball, Kudermatova took control of the point, and she can do it off both wings. She can go big and flat, down the line, cross-court. You know, there were a couple of breakpoint chances for Conteve early on in the match. Kudermatova erased in the first game with just a big down-the-line backhand and was able to take returns early all match long, took that back. Backhand, inside, in, down the line on the deuce side. Uh, Did a really good job of finding forehands on the ad side as well. And the problem for Annette Conteve, who does a really good job of getting into patterns, does a really good job of moving forward in the court, taking advantage. You know, is not the best mover. A little stiff in the hips, although she's a pretty fluid mover. I would say she's certainly in the good category, uh, at worst, above average. But Conteve did a good job of getting her stretched. And then once she was stretched, Conteve would take the ball early, move forward, but Kontave just, you know, her forehand rally ball wasn't heavy enough to disrupt Kudermatova's rhythm, and that's the problem for Kontave. She can win a lot of matches with her variety, and, you know, Kontave can hit a big ball herself, right? It it was a five-in-one match, and I think in that second set, Kudermatova's power kind of separated her from Kontave, but that first set was absolutely a toss-up, could have gone the way of Kontave, and then who knows what that second set looks like. Uh, but Kudermatova just has that plus power throughout the course of a match, and that was noticeable. And I mean, look, Veronica Kudermatova still has a lot to prove in her young career. Last season, she went 13 and 14. The year before that, 25 and 19 in tour level matches. So she really hasn't had a big breakthrough yet. And, you know, the one thing you'd like for her is her first serve percentage continues to increase. She made. Over 60% of her first serves last year for the first time in her career uh, in ITF level matches. She was over 70%, uh, excuse me, she was at 54%, so I suppose not as good, but... She was at over seventy percent win percentage on the first serve over sixty six percent in wTA level matches. The point being her first serve it's absolutely a weapon. she can hold serve with the best of them. She can play plus one tennis she can take control of points at least on hard courts given how hard and flat she hits the ball and that's that's noticeable she's a dangerous floater with the right matchup If you see a you know Kuder Matova Kerber. First or second round matchup Maybe even third round matchup At the Australian Open I probably lean Matova Just because she's got the weapons To really get Kerber stretched At this point And I just think Veronica Kudermatova is dangerous She's certainly trending up Again, you know in, in the Western and Southern Open She makes the round of 16 Before losing to Mertens She loses to Sviantek uh, At the US Open Which I don't think any of us Consider a, a bad loss She loses three sets to Martic, Second round French Open And then I already told you what she did down the home stretch. All things trending up for uh, the 23-year-old Kuter Matova, who, yeah, she, again, she's not as young as perhaps a Coco Goff or an Amanda Nisimova or some of the young studs, Iga Shiantek, uh, Sophia Kennan on tour, but she's still a rising star. She can still, I, I really like her upside because she does have that top gear of she can just hit the cover off the ball, and it's a little one-dimensional right now, as I mentioned, and I think her power, as we saw again. Jennifer Brady in Ostrovar, just the way Mertens got her out of the strike zone, who could, you know, Mertens was able to handle Kuder Matova's power. There's not a second gear yet, uh, but uh, as she continues to work on that, she's absolutely someone to circle during 2021. So again, a great win for Kuder Matova for Kanteve. I think it takes some solace in the fact that Kudermatova played really well in this match, and you know Annette Conteve did not serve well. There are some low hanging fruit for Annette Conteve. she makes more first serves she 's able to play more plus one tennis because she does have the gear much like elisa Mertens, to hit Kudermatova and get uh, off the court to get her out of her strike zone to not allow her to play this ridiculous brand of tennis. I mean Kudermatova hit some incredible on the line uh, down the line on the run shots in this match, but Kanteve was right there with her, particularly, again, in that first set, and it's just if you make more first serves, you give Kudermatova less opportunities to take big cuts at second serve returns, and you give her less opportunities to dictate... And I think Contave is right there in terms of her level. Uh, you know, again, the second serve wasn't great. She sprayed a little bit there, and, you know, uh, Kudomitova punished her any time uh, turned to the slice on either the forehand or the backhand side, and that ball does certainly hang up at times, but... I think it's a fine start to Annette Contevae's season on a quick surface like this, uh, Kudermatova just able to hit through her. So I would say that is my summary of that matchup. Again, a really good win for Verona Kudermatova. But if you're on the Contevae bandwagon, nothing to freak out about. She is still certainly, I think, poised to have a really, really good 2021 season. Uh, But with that in mind, let's get to our next match. Okay, the next match I want to talk about is another upset. This time, it's someone who was struggling down the home stretch of 2020, and someone who I think actually played a pretty good first match. And that's Dona Vekic, who ends up as the number 16 seed, losing 7 6, 2 6, 6 4 to American Bernardo Para. Now, Para was really good down the home stretch, or really good is a stretch. She was really competitive. That's the best word to use here, really competitive down the home stretch of the 2020 season. You look for Bernarda Pera on paper, you know, the results don't look great, 10 and 12, but during those 12 losses she's taken over the last 52 weeks, she lost 6-2 and two to Sabalenka in the Adelaide round of 16. I think that's a good loss. 3-2 and two to Rabakina, first round Australian Open. Again, I categorize that good loss. A loss to Pliskova is fine. A three-set loss to Yastremska, fine. Three-set losses to Kuznetsova and Sinyakova. I also categorize those as fine and competitive. A three-set loss to Serena. She was really good during the World Team Tennis season. She's right there, and that makes sense. Again, the 26-year-old heading into this season uh, currently at number 62 I believe in the rankings that's three off her career high of 59 which she hit last year. Uh, she's just a really rock-solid player. And, I mean, obviously the lefty, uh, she's able to throw different looks at her opponent, get them stretched in ways that make them uncomfortable. But in this match, I think the story was how well she did returning, or perhaps in particular how poor Donna Vekic was on second serve points. Vekic, 18 of 50 on her second serve during the match. Para was just able to really tee off on those second serves, which were almost lollipops, you know, just kind of high-floating balls, and, you know, Bernardo Pere was able to get around, hit a lot of first forehands with those balls, and then, you know, go cross-court, cross-court down the line, open up her pattern. She's comfortable playing that first volley at the net, hitting the swinging volley now Pera wasn't great on her own serve, only made 52% of them, won only 50.8 of her first serve points, 46.7 of her second serve points, saved 13 of the 22 break points she faced, and to be clear, Donna Vekic, nine breaks of serve in this match, Bernarda Pera seven, uh, but Pera goes seven of 16 overall on her break, chances gets them when she needs them the most, it wasn't great for Bernardo Pera, and, you know, the first serve was something she struggled with last season as well. Bernardo Pera only making 59% of her first serves. Now, she won 66% of those first serve points, so when she can make that first serve get into her pattern, she can be effective. But the second serve continues to be an issue for her. She only won 38.5% of them last season. Again, a campaign she finished about 10 and 12 overall Uh in terms of between tour-level and ITF-level matches, but I I just like Bernardo Pera's game. I, I like how sound she is off of both wings. I like how well she moves. I think she's pretty fluid laterally. Again, I think the first serve can be a weapon. I think... I don't think she's going to be making second weeks of Grand Slams. I think there are too many players more talented than her who can just hit the cover off the ball in a way she cannot, but she is always going to be a tough out, and that's exactly what she proved to be against Donna Vekic, and for Vekic, I mean, it's just the lack of confidence. You can see it in everything she does, and Donna Vekic still has so much natural talent, and I mean, when she's able to hit the ball cleanly, get into her patterns, play confidently, you you just see all the elements of someone. You're like, oh yeah, that's why she made a quarterfinals of a slam. That's why everyone was so excited about her future when she broke into the top 30. But there are just a lot of players right now who can do the sorts of things she can. Ath- well, maybe they can't do exactly what she can athletically, but... They're just more well-rounded players who can also hit the cover off the ball and just have easier weapons they can turn to, easy patterns. You know, for Parrots, again, the serve out wide and then the plus-one forehand inside out to the open court as a lefty on the ad side, uh, it, it's just a pattern that works. And for Vekic, you see someone saying, well, you just see someone thinking, well, maybe I'll go big down the t here, try and hit a plus-one backhand cross, or maybe on this one I'll go right into the body, play a plus-one forehand to the open space, and it's just like she's just trying to solve what works best for her, and that happens to every tennis player. It's not quite the yips, but when you lose confidence, it becomes apparent, and Bernardo Pera put too much pressure on Donna Vekic in this match, uh, and that lack of confidence manifested itself down the stretch of the second set. Pera in this match, six double faults to, uh, to, I believe, it was Vekic's five, but again, that 18-50 number on the second serve point, she seemed to dump so many. You know, in the first set, Vekic makes 50, 55% of her second, uh, first serves 53% of her second serves In the third set She made 67% of her first serves Won 85% of those points But just in that last game two of seven on second serve points it, it really hurt her and that's how she was able to get broken down the home stretch and that's again why uh, Bernarda Pera was able uh, to secure the victory in set number three so again a credit to Bernarda Pera who played really well in this match or at least well enough it was a three-hour physical battle and do you worry about Pera maybe heading into her match I have her as one of my aces of the day heading into Friday uh, as she is going to take on I believe Bernard Bernardo Para is taking on, I don't want to be incorrect about this, Cerebas Tormo. That's going to be another physical battle. And ugh, now that I know this match was three hours, now I know why Pera was a plus 105 underdog. But I'm sticking with the pick. I'm sticking with the pick. This was a really good performance from Bernardo Pera for Donovekic. It's not the start you want to your 2021 season, but at least you get your first match under your belt. You played well, you got your three hours, and you held up physically. Now it's just, again, about finding a little more confidence heading into the Australian Open. Okay, the last match I want to break down is not an upset, but... Just another player I will be focused on heading into 2021 because, again, my fascination with the Sakari, Kanteve, Mertens, Vekic generation carries over into this season. Maria Sakari looked really, really good in her 4-2 victory over Potapova in the first round. Potapova, I believe, the 19-year-old Russian former world junior number one. Uh, If you give her time to set up in the center of the court, if you give her clean looks at either the forehand or the backhand wing, uh, she's another player who can absolutely Absolutely slug the ball, and Maria Sakkari did not give her the opportunity to do that. And look, Sakkari was rock solid during the 2020 season. She goes 20 and 11 overall. Semifinals in Ostrava to end her year before she loses to Vika. She makes you know round a third round in Roland Garros before losing to Trevisan in three sets. She makes round of sixteen before at the U.S. Open for before losing. In 3-2 Serena, of course, she beat Serena at the Western and Southern before losing in the quarterfinals to Joe Conta. She's someone who made the round of 16 in Doha back in February. Of course, in January, round of 16 at the Australian Open before she lost to Kvitova. I mean... uh 2020, unequivocally a step forward for Maria Sakkari, best win percentage of her career. And it's the steady growth she's had these past three seasons as a 22-year-old, I want to say, in 23-year-old in 2018. She goes 25 and 24 in tour-level matches. In 2019, she goes 31 and 23 in tour-level matches, wins her first pro title. And then in 2020, 2011 in pro-level matches, that round of 16 at the U.S. Open. Again, the round of 16 in Australia as well. That's a jump for Maria Sakharin. because she's taking care of business in the matches she should win. Her losses down the home stretch, you know, again, of 2020, the loss to Kvitova in Australia. Her other losses, Sabalenka, Sabalenka, Kanta, Serena, Vika, You know, the loss to Christina Pliskova in Palermo, first match back post-pandemic, I'm going to let that one slide. The round of 32 loss to Trevisan, she wins the first set 6-1, 8-6 breaker, she loses in the second, should have won that match, that was a little bit of a choke job, no denying, but all of her losses... No such thing as a good loss, but you can ex- understand, explain all of the losses she suffered during the 2020 season. They're either schedule losses or losses to players who are top-tier WTA talents, and Maria Sakri may not be in that top-tier talent because she doesn't have the serve of an Osaka. She doesn't have the blistering ground strokes of a Sabalenka or a Kovitova. She doesn't have the all-around skill set of an Andrescu or a Kennan, but... She does a lot of things really well on the court. It's a little flatter, a little bit more powerful, or a little more brutish, I suppose, which I, I hate that term brutish, but I, you can't look at her and just think she's the epitome of physical fitness. Everything about Maria Sakkari, I mean, she might be pound for pound the strongest player in tennis, men's or women's. She's as fit as they come and Just her ability to flatten out the ball down the line, her ability to cut the ball with her slice, her willingness to come forward, hit the drop volley as well. I'm Really impressed by Maria Sakkari's game, and she just kept the ball out of the strike zone again. She was playing checkers while, or she was playing chess while uh, while Potapova was playing checkers, and it was just a different game. And Potapova wasn't at that speed yet. And for Sakkari, the stat that jumps out the most: twenty-seven of thirty on first serve points. One, yeah, she only went thirty of fifty-six on the first serve, but. I mean, when she made the first serve, played plus one tennis, the point was over. And look, Potapova did a really good job when she was able to play plus one. She won, you know, 39 of her 70 total service points. And against a player like Sakkari, that's really good. But she only made 47% of her first serves. And you just can't play more second serve than first serve points when you need to be as aggressive as Potapova did against Sakkari. I still really like the gears Potapova could hit. She got a little Kuder Matova to her in just the way she can absolutely slug a ball through the court, but she's just not quite there yet athletically. Sakari absolutely is. She is someone to circle throughout the rest of this 2021 season. All right, with that in mind, let's move on now to everything else. That means both the rest of the Abu Dhabi matches, as well as the qualifying matches on Wednesday we saw in Antalya and Delray Beach. Uh, in terms of the other upsets in Abu Dhabi, I think we covered them all. You know, Kanteve goes down, Vekic goes down. We did have some seeds take care of business on the day. Ekaterina Alexandrova looked just as good as she did at the end of the 2020 season as she knocks off Diaz 4-4, four and four. of course, Shabur. Uh, tricky set against her hitting partner from the offseason, Anastasia Pavelchenkova, has to fight down Love 43 set points. I believe that's in the 4-5 or 3-5 service game in the first said on that 30-40 point you know Pavelchenkova has her on the run. Jabour hits two desperation down the line shots and then this incredible on the run down the line forehand winner to win the point on the third shot uh, to get the point back to do. She ends up taking it in a breaker. The creativity she plays with, the chops she has when she's in the outer thirds of the courts I am immensely impressed by everything Own Shabor continues to do out on court. Uh, I know she's got an, uh, you know, a tricky match Certainly, in her in her next round, I believe in Abu Dhabi, and you look uh, for own Jabour. I, I mean, should she win her matchup tomorrow? Uh, yeah, she definitely should, as she takes on. I believe, uh, and I don't want to be incorrect. Yes, she takes on. Uh, I want to say Bondarenko, but. Vondarenko can hit the ball as well. I think Onjabur, you know, it's similar to Pavelchenkova. If she can get into her patterns, if she can get into her plays, she should have success. And I think she's absolutely someone you have to circle throughout the rest of this 2021 season, particularly when we're playing hard court tennis. Uh, in terms of, again, the other seeds you had in play, Yulia Putinseva looks just as good as at the end of the season. I talked about her on today's Ace of the Day Uh, She can just hurt you in so many different ways. She's quick as well. Just moves around the court so fluidly and will play short angles, will drive you down the line, and just seems to have a knack for ticking off her opponents, which kind of like that FU mentality, so really good win for her, 3-3 three and three over Trevisan, uh, a couple of other winners on the day, Kasakina, three sets over Wong, uh, two advance to the next round, Flipkins, three sets over Sigamund, to advance, Tom Janovic, a straight set winner over Zhu Bedosa, three sets over Sevistova, Krejcikova, straight sets over Jamie Loeb, and then Lastly, Layla Fernandez, of course, the talented young Canadian, picking things up where she left off four and two straight set win for her over Paulini. It feels crazy to think that Layla Fernandez is going to be a favorite in a lot of first round matches. She certainly already is, according to betting odds, but I mean that just goes to say how mature how well rounded the young Canadians game already is. She showed off all of those skills, four and two victory for her over Paulini. Those were all of Wednesday's results in Abu Dhabi. In terms of the qualifying results we had in Delray Beach and Antalya, nothing too shocking. Uh if you haven't, you know, go watch some Zane Khan, go look him up on YouTube, go watch his Orlando highlights against Sex Fida. The the ball just absolutely explodes off of his racket and sometimes that ball explodes into the back fence, but other times it lands within the tennis court and you're just like, "Ooh, that's interesting." And I mean uh, he loses his first round match six one six seven uh 6 to Christian Harrison, who just kinda was the more physical player, was able to extend Khan to the outer thirds, I eventually grind him down forced enough errors. But I liked Zane Khan. I will be watching more of him in twenty twenty one. I said this is my last year to stay on the Kozlov bandwagon. He played exactly the match you think he played, losing four six, six four, six four to Donald Young now you know it's not a bad loss donald young can do his thing but at this point um I have nothing more to say on the Kozlov issue for now. Kevin King, good win for him over Giancarlo Oliveira, 3-3 three and three victory to advance to the main draw. And then Roberto Quiroz, the former USC Trojan, great win for him, 3-5 and five to advance to and get through this qualifying draw into the main draw in Delray Beach. Uh, you look for Quiroz now. He has a first-round matchup against Noah Rubin. That's certainly a match uh, Quiroz can win, uh, so that will be a fun one to watch here on Friday... That was your Delray Beach qualifying action in terms of the action we had in Antalya. A bunch of them here, so I'm just going to read through the winners. Mokan, Verbinski, Miedler, Heliovara, Kuzmanov, Andreev, Avasuri, Bakinger, Pellegrino, Kavich, Katov, and Turker. All winners in the first round of qualifying. We had some main draw matches on Thursday to go along with some qualifying matches. So just so you guys know, Katov, Mokan, Kuzmanov, Bakinger, Verbinski, and Andreev all advancing into the main draw uh, we will focus on those other main draw matches on Thursday on to the uh, the other mini break we are going to be doing today because again as I mentioned on the top we realize we haven't done our best here to start the season so to make up for that I will be breaking down each of the first two opening days Monday and uh, excuse me Monday Wednesday and Thursday hey great shot to me Wednesday and Thursday's action for mini breaks today and then of course we'll end the day recapping Friday's matches once they are played to completion hoping to get back in the press room in Abu Dhabi. The time difference making it a little tough here on the East Coast, but we'll be able to hear from some of those WTA stars. And of course, again, if you've missed any of our content, getting you guys ready for the 2021 college tennis season. This week, we talked to Baylor Bears head coach Michael Woodson, joining Chris Halliorse and I on the Cracked Interviews podcast, Matt Stokowiak, Chris and I breaking it down on the Great Shot podcast, our next-gen ATP 2.0 series. Some of you may be used to hearing that on this feed. That moved to our Great Shot Podcast feed, David Gertler and I, breaking down Brandon Nakashima. Really fun podcast I think all of you will enjoy. And if you have missed any of that content, you can find it all on the website, crackrackets.com. You need the more immediate updates, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. We are at CrackRackets. You want to message me directly, I'm at Great Shot Pod. Shout out, as always, to our super producers, Max Fleigner and Daniel Westoff for the of an adding job they do day in day out shout out as well to our friends at Midwest Sports go to MidwestSports.com use that promo code CR15 to let them know we sent you there and again we are so grateful for their continued support the least we can do ask you to support them as well but with that in mind for our super producers Sligner and Westoff, our friends at Midwest Sports and all of us here at both Crack Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network I'm your host Alex Gruskin you know what we say that's the break and we will see you all later today thanks everyone